Hey everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex Podcast. I'm Juad, as always, coming to you still in lockdown, believe it or not, or don't believe it, either way. <laughs> Hope everyone's well this week and um, not trying to tear their hair out at uh, what a interesting British Grand Prix weekend we had, or um, the fallout in particular has been, has been something else, but we're going to try our best to cover it off um, today and also talk about the first ever F1 sprint. Was it a success? It's kind of a, um, it's kind of been left behind, you know, amongst all the other controversy and chaos that was caused during the actual Grand Prix itself. So you could call that a win that, you know, the, the sprint really didn't take away the um, excitement and the drama of the actual Grand Prix on Sunday so that you can tick that box but yeah I'll talk about the sprint separately um, to the actual race and everything what happened what transpired what was the fallout and ultimately just what came afterwards which was really disappointing I've got to say Um, again you know it's a week after the the soccer finals or whatever and there was people jumping on social media giving and even in the crowd giving racial taunts and stuff to the the English players um just unacceptable and then the same things happened here to Lewis Hamilton as well um after the British Grand Prix and you know just just no that's all I can say is is no you know especially given the fact that you know F1 wants its fans to get on board with the whole we race as one um concept and create a better you know better society better future where that sort of thing doesn't happen but there you go it's it's gone and happened again it's probably not going to be the last time unfortunately but people can be a bit better about it is where what I'm getting at so yeah just it was good to see actually all the teams jump on after the race and after all that those comments came to light and publicly defend Lewis Hamilton and also say we're here to uh, condemn those who make such comments and whatnot. So that was great in that respect. But, um, you know, as for the race itself, well, quite controversial from the first lap incident, you know, between the two championship uh, championship protagonists, Max and, and Lewis, and ended up Max uh, out of the race. So you had Max claim pole position via the sprint, Um prospect for this epic battle to to go through the whole race you know even if it was just maybe the first lap as well those guys jostling for position as we did see for the first sequence of corners um and Hamilton obviously having lost the the top spot in the sprint because Max um overtook him going into the first corner sorry Max overtook him going into the first corner of the the sprint race. Lewis just wanted to get one back up on him, and you know they they battled it out to till Cops Corner, where Max had the racing line. Lewis trying to get down the inside. There was like little or no gap between the Red Bull and the wall on the inside, and um, you know Hamilton barely alongside. They probably just managed to get alongside before there was contact made and Max ended up in the barrier with a 51g impact there was a red flag that came out and 
little was it known at the time to the rest of the field that Max had actually been taken to hospital for precautionary checks. So he was all good, though. It's just precautionary checks and everything. But yeah, that was it. You know, you could feel something was building all season. You know, you don't have a championship season where you got two title protagonists, whether they're on the same team or different team. And you don't have a flashpoint like that. You know, that's just that's just motorsport and that's competition. Whether we, you know, want it to happen or not, that's another question. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who love the drama and everything. Um, but, you know, how could you not expect something to happen? But, you know, happening here and possibly even the, the sprint race storyline kind of fueled this one where, you know, Max got up on, on Hamilton, who was fastest and qualifying on Friday, um, and then Hamilton wanted to get back at him come the actual Grand Prix, and then this happened. So, what are we going to say, you know, what, well, what's, what's the verdict? You know, there was a 10-second penalty in the race that was handed down. You've obviously got Red Bull, um, whether it's Christian Horn or the team, uh, team principal, um, I mean, he's been dubbed Karen corner <laughs> by a lot of people which is quite funny to see you've got helmet marco the um motorsport advisor there at red bull saying he they should ban hamilton for a race as well because of that horner's trying to call lawyers you could argue that in one respect that it has been blown up a bit too far out of proportion especially when you're calling lawyers into it but at the root of it you've got to say that there's going to be a part of everyone's thinking that it was a racing incident. We can totally say that, yeah, Lewis is at fault because he got the penalty, but then, you know, now there's people who want a harsher penalty for it. When it happened at the time, and while I was live blogging the race as well, I immediately thought racing incident you know, I didn't, I didn't think, you know, oh, someone's, someone's at fault here, you know, it's, it's lap one, it's such a fast corner as well, it just happens, you know, in a blink of an eye, and that, that's basically what happened, and it was, it was pretty terrible, because, um, I had to basically stream the race through my phone, like, screen, uh, what do you call it, double screened it to the TV, so the quality was pretty poor, and it basically skipped a few frames when that incident happened, so I didn't, I didn't quite catch it live. But initially, that was my thought: racing incident, you know. And and the fact that Hamilton's been penalised, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Um, if they had blamed Max for it, then I would have probably been like, yeah, well, it was his corner. It, it was his his corner. You know, there's the argument that he could have left a bit more room as well. Um, he didn't quite leave a car's width, but we'll definitely agree that it wasn't Max's fault in this instance. As far as it being Hamilton's fault and it being a racing incident, it's a bit of column A, bit of column B for me, you know. Um, I don't feel like Hamilton was, you know, the, the, the 10 second penalty, he was given the penalty, right, but was he given the pe- a, a real penalty in that sense? Because he did come back and win the race at the end of the day, so... You know, you could give him give him whatever, you know, and he and he still come back and win. Like if it was a stop go penalty, he would probably been um not been able to win the race or even finish on the podium. But he was able to come back and win the race easily from there. He he worked hard for it, of course, not not easily. <laughs> but 
you get what I'm saying, you know, there's a line I think you've got to draw in the sand where motor racing, unfortunately, is dangerous, you know, and incidents like that happen. There's no point trying to chastise Hamilton. I think people are just looking for a target to, to pick on. You know, are we... Am I satisfied that he was given 10 seconds? Not really, because it didn't... It, it As I said, it came to be a nothing penalty kind of thing. You know, you, you either throw the book at him or you leave it as a, as a racing incident. Don't just give some token penalty for that instance. Um... We've seen this countless times over the years in in Formula One and in motorsport where you've got this intense rivalry um, and you have these flashpoints, you know, with, with, with Seb and Lewis when Ferrari and Mercedes were fighting, you had Baku, you had uh, Rosberg and, and Hamilton there at Barcelona 2016. Um, and with these two, it's kind of been sim- simmering away so far this year where... Uh, First corner Barcelona, first corner Imola. Um, uh, you had, I think, yeah, that was it. <laughs> Those two corners and just the last couple of races where Red Bull have really brought with them to the table their their speed and consistency, which has been frustrating Hamilton. And every time you hear him talk in the press conferences, he's been like, oh, you know, just the lack of upgrades that we've got and they're bringing too many upgrades referring to Red Bull so it was bound to happen and sorry if I'm sound like I'm not sorry if I'm sounding like I'm not taking sides or like really throwing the book at someone in particular it's because it's it's a fact of life it's it's what it is it's happened are there gonna be consequences by calling lawyers probably not I mean what did Toto Wolf uh, emailing diagrams over to race director Michael Massey during the race? What did that achieve? Nothing, you know. And, and I love all the love all the memes and the jokes that have come out as a result of that about diagrams and whatnot. But um, and also Michael Massey saying, "I don't check my emails during a race because I'm trying to direct a race here, you know, control a race here uh, as the race director." So that was a bit bit of a funny plot, but. What this is, is two teams who, the gloves are off now, you know, there's there's been banter, there's been, you know, respect between the two, and hopefully the respect continues to, to a certain point, but I feel like the next race, Hungary, you know, where Max has been beaten there before by Mercedes and by Lewis Hamilton, the gloves are going to come off, you know, it's not that they're going to get dirty, but it's just going to go get a bit more fierce, and I think that's what's going to put bums on seats, that's what's going to be exciting about it. I'll say it now, Lewis was not trying to kill Max, that's not the case, and we're all happy, and I'm happy that Max is okay, but to just turn it into something or hear the narratives that other people have been talking about or trying to create as a result of this or just looking for an excuse to bash a particular driver I think that's unacceptable you know we want to keep it fair um and that's that's it you know (laughs) I'm a bit disappointed I'm a bit annoyed as well that you know as I said before about token penalties I'm a bit annoyed that, you know, Hamilton was able to come back and win that race because it just means that the penalty didn't really hinder him at all during the race. 
but that's also you know the, his ability as well that he can get back notwithstanding you know the fact that they they got Valtteri Bottas to move out of the way and let let him through but the fact that you know yeah he, he was easily able to march his way back up to the front and then uh, Ferrari who still have a pretty undercooked car in comparison to the Mercedes couldn't really put up a fight and even even that you know where it was three laps to go um, and Leclerc and Hamilton are going into Cop's corner again Leclerc basically just said I'm out here you go see you later you know is he being cautious as well going into Cop's with Hamilton after the first lap you'd probably say yes um and, you know, Ferrari had one on the day. What what a reception they would have got as well, um, given all the stuff going on with them. So, you know, all these things, it just, yeah, it defines the season. I think, you know, the weekend as a whole, you know, I'm glad we're not talking about the sprint race being uh, shocking or, you know, then giving criticism to that. But at the same time, giving criticism towards a driver and, and giving him racial abuse and all that sort of stuff is, is just not on, you know. There's there's levels of, you know, we can be armchair critics and we can give our opinion on certain things, but to the point where it becomes, you know, abuse and, and racial taunts and stuff like that, I think that's not on, you know. Between friends, you know, you could, you could say, oh, yeah, this, like that. As long as it stays between friends, it doesn't make its way onto social media or for the whole world to see. That's where it's like, okay, you've got to draw the line here, you know. So, at the end of the day, I've, I've probably rambled a bit too much about this. Um, and, you know, if you don't know what my point is, I'm basically saying, look, column A, column B, I would have been happy if it got passed off as a racing incident. But given the severity of what happened, you know, if the championship battle, you know, they, they had to give some kind of penalty which is also a negative mindset that, you know, Formula One has had to, to deal with where, you know, if an incident happens, then, you know, they're kind of obliged to give a penalty because of the, the fallout and the pressure that comes afterwards. Imagine if they didn't give a penalty, what would have happened? Or if the roles were reversed? This, if, if Max was the one who, you know, made the made the move down the inside and clipped Lewis and sent Lewis into the barrier, you know, the world would be hating him right now, but also you feel like the stewards would have given a harsher penalty for him because of Max's previous record or whatever, or he's, he's a lot more harder when it comes to racing wheel to wheel. That's the kind of things that, you know, I'm like, really? So they're not, uh, they, they're not as, how do you say it? Not unbiased, but they're just like, you know that there's going to be preconceived judgment every time an incident happens, depending on who it is and whatnot. So, yeah, that's that's basically it. You know, I could say it's a racing incident. We might or might not see incidents like this again this year between these two. We're certainly going to see more in the future as well when there's championship battles going on. But... For what it was, yeah, you know, it, it was unfortunate. And, you know, Toto Wolf before the race was like, you know, all it takes is a one DNF or one zero points paying result for Max and then we're back in the championship hunt. And there you go, Lewis is back in there. It's eight points now between him and Max. And I guess what kind of saved Red Bull and Verstappen that weekend was, you know, the three points that he collected for getting pole position in the sprint race. So otherwise it would have been cut down to five. 
and um, it would be a lot closer than it is. So, you know, this is this is just the way it's going to ebb and flow. So we'll, we'll close this chapter. I'm sure a lot of people will still be talking about it heading into the next weekend. But as for the rest of the race, well, after the red flag, we had the race restart and we've got a Ferrari leading. We've got Charles Leclerc at the front um, leading both the Mercedes and what was kind of forgotten was Leclerc got a really good start. He got ahead of Bottas to begin with. Um, and we'll get to Bottas a bit later, but, you know, he went into the, he went into the pit stop phase and still led because Hamilton, when he swapped over to the hard tire on lap 28, he had to serve that penalty. Um, you had Bottas who was actually on the restart pipped by Lando Norris as well. So again, it was, Bottas just getting some shocking starts, you've got to say this, uh, weekend and possibly all year as well um all year so far that is but yeah Valtteri ended up back ahead of Lando because Lando unfortunately had a slow stop there on lap 22 you could arguably say that it law uh it cost Lando the opportunity to fight for a podium which would have been great on home soil as well given that we haven't seen McLaren on the podium for a while there at Silverstone um but yeah you know Bottas had that as his kind of saving grace but then on lap 40 Mercedes ended up swapping the positions I love how they say you know invert invert I, I don't know why I like the term invert but I, I just do they inverted their positions and Lewis basically set on a comeback like he did at Imola as well like there was that controversy in Imola where he was down in eighth or whatever or ninth or he was a lap down I've got to say and then was helped by the safety car or you know, to get back on the lead lap. And then from there, he was able to come back on the podium. So, you know, make of it what you wish. But yeah, three laps to go. You had Hamilton pass Leclerc at Cops. Leclerc just like, here you go, son. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight you for this one. I don't want to end up in the wall like Verstappen there <laughs> earlier in the race. Um, but good on Ferrari as well. Uh, first podium for Leclerc and Silverstone last year as well, you can't believe that it's been, you know, 12 months since he's been on the podium there, and also team principal Mattia Bonotto hailing, you know, the recovery, basically, from scoring no points in France to being able to stand on the podium there at Silverstone, I think, you know, Silverstone's always been a, a good circuit for Ferrari, they've won a race here in the hybrid era, so, you know, it's, it's good progress, but then, you look at McLaren's race as well, given that they're fighting in the Constructors' Championship together. They're still ahead on points, and, you know, it was a best-ever result for for Daniel Ricciardo there in fifth uh, for the season, and Lando in fourth. And, again, disappointing that Lando couldn't fight for the podium because of the, the slow pit stop, so that's probably their only blemish when it comes to that. And Ricciardo, I guess, you know, one of the few drivers who was helped by the sprint race because he was able to gain a couple of positions and, and start a bit better on the grid, given that he's struggling to qualify that car in a single lap scenario. He's been able to gain those spots when it comes to a race situation. Ferrari also had both cars in the points too, which was good for them. Carlos Sainz, unfortunately, one was one of those drivers who ended up compromised in the sprint race. Uh, one of those negative stories, you could say. Not that bad. He got hit by George Russell, <laughs> who made a um, bit of a embarrassment of himself there. But yeah, Sainz ended up starting 10th on the grid for the Grand Prix and moved up to P6, which was good for him. 
points for both the Alpine cars as well. And you've got to say, Fernando Alonso put on a show all weekend. He was excellent in the sprint race, and then even in the actual race on Sunday, he was uh, fighting wheel-to-wheel there. We saw Seb Vettel, unfortunately, have a spin and ended up out of the race when he was fighting uh, Alonso. Not that it was his fault, but those guys, you know, it takes me back to when, you know, Red Bull and Ferrari days before the hybrid era, they were fighting wheel-to-wheel there. Um, and I think even in 2014, they, they had a bit of a, a fight here at Silverstone together. Lance Stroll, only Aston Martin um, in the points as well at their home track. So probably a bit of a uh, disappointing race for them in terms of, you know, bringing home the results on, on home soil. And Yuki Sonoda taking out the points ahead of Pierre Gasly, which has been a rarity this year. So, yeah, no points for Red Bull in this race, apart from, you know, the the three points that Max collected on the Sunday. Checo, I haven't mentioned him yet um, because I was going to get to him when we talk about the sprint. But he probably had his worst weekend in a Red Bull and it was exacerbated, I guess, by what happened in the sprint race for him because... He ended up having a spin on his own. He had to retire from the sprint race, which meant um, Red Bull could change a bunch of componentry on his car and start the Grand Prix from the pit lane. And it just didn't really go anywhere for Checo, unfortunately. So that's probably why, you know, Red Bull were uh, just, yeah, doing what they can to, like, um, get what they can from, from Max and all that. But at the same time, it's just like it's not going to happen, you know, when it comes to the lawyers or whatever, so yeah, bad weekend for Red Bull, but the the championship, it's it's close again, it's four points in the Constructors' Championship too, um, which is, is helped, you got to say, by, by Bottas in the last couple of races being on the podium every time, even though we just have no killer instinct anymore from, from Valtteri, nothing from him in qualifying as well to, to try and get on the front row or even pole position like we saw him many times. And then just getting lucky, I guess, with, with the Bottas, uh, sorry, with the Lando pit stop because I think, you know, we could have seen Lando easily fighting him for third this weekend and that would have been a great storyline for, for McLaren and for, for Lando Norris on home soil. So, yeah. Can't say much more about Bottas than, yeah, he's, he's doing the job that he needs to, but nothing more. And it's it's very sad to see that, that that's what he's come to. So anyway, moving it on and let's talk about the sprint. You know, let's talk about the sprint, something positive to come out of the weekend, I guess, you know, after all the negativity from, from the Grand Prix and from the Verstappen and Hamilton incident. And it was great because there was excitement, due to the fact that there was less practice, there was more time spent in Parc Ferme, which meant that teams couldn't really change much in the way of setup and whatnot. There was a bit of criticism, of course, about, you know, what's the point of FP2 on Saturday morning before the sprint if cars are all in Parc Ferme, they can't learn anything or adjust things on their car. But, you know, at the same time, it's about, you know, having cars on out on track and, you know, surely they'd learn a little bit when it comes to getting things ready for strategy and whatnot for the Sunday. Friday's qualifying run a bit later than than normal. It was like close to 6pm, I think, there uh, um, in, in at Silverstone, which, you know, I couldn't, I could not stay up that late here. Um, I think it was like 2.30 or something or 3am 3, 3 in the morning. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that, unfortunately. But 
it was a good qualifying session. You had your usual contenders. You had George Russell getting into the top 10, um, Lewis and Max sharing the front row. A lot of people divided over the 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 Speed King Award. Apparently, if you're fastest in that Friday qualifying or whatever, you because you, you don't get pole position because pole position is for the winner of the sprint. You are the Pirelli Speed King, so that's a bit that's a bit of a gimmick. I'll I'll give it that much. You know, I think it's a bit funny to be honest. But you know, there's a lot of people out there who take themselves way too seriously, um, who who will disagree with that. So. Lewis, the speed king, and then going into the race, of course, Max was leading into the first corner on the first lap, so that's probably what, you know, frustrated Hamilton, of course, but overall, it was like, as much as drivers leading into the sprint said that, oh, it's it's not, you're going to see trains, you're going to see procession, the thing is, in half an hour, half an hour is not much time, you know, when you think about it, it will just you know, go, it went really quickly from what I was able to see. You had some initial jostling for position and some initial excitement for probably the first 10, 15 minutes, you know, the first few laps or whatever. You had gains made by McLaren. You had um, Fernando Alonso putting on a show as well. He was as far away, he was far as, uh, he was as far up as fifth in the end, but then at the end of the day, I think he qualified like seventh or whatever, which was still four positions up from where he started the the sprint as well. So good on him for that. I said before as well that uh, racing situation suits Ricardo a bit better as well compared to qualifying the car in the traditional format. So he was able to make gains in there too. Um, you had the contact between Science and Russell as well early on, you had Checo doing his spin and ended up ruining his whole weekend as a result of it, so I just think, yeah, half an hour is not such a long time or whatever to to feel bored with the sprint, you know, you got all that initial excitement done, and then, you know, you had the last 15 minutes or wherever where you did see a bit of a procession form, especially with the front as well, with the top three cars, so, you know, I felt a bit more excited about that 30 minute race than I do a lot than I do about a lot of the one hour qualifiers that we have um for the rest of the year you know certain tracks where you don't see cars come out you know in the early stages of the session they'll wait till right at the end to go set their laps having said that though as I've said on recent episodes qualifying at the moment is quite exciting with the traditional format because we do have a genuine unknown as to who's going to be on pole position it could be a mercedes it could be red bull it could you know you could have mclaren and lando norris on the front row as well so but you know given the fact that you know we've had a lot of boring sessions in the past i i really felt excited about the half an hour there and the thing is the incentive is there for the gains. Also, there's the jeopardy as well, so you've got to be cautious. But at the end of the day, I think they were able to put on a show without the gimmicks, and that's the most important thing. Like, I would have loved to have been there at Silverstone with a packed crowd, you know, as, as much as I, I'm still a bit terrified of being in a situation or, you know, being in a crowded space like that, uh, says the person who was at Adelaide Oval for, for New Year's Eve for the Big Bash cricket. But, 
the fact is that you know it was it was great entertainment for everyone i didn't feel like there was too many gimmicks that took away from you know the the product it is we're still talking at the end of the weekend and after the weekend about the grand prix you know which was the big fear for many that you know the sprint race would take away the uh the prestige and all that about the the grand prix on the sunday in fact a lot of people haven't even said anything about the sprint this week because it's all been to do with with Hamilton and Verstappen at the front and the the incident so I think it's it's definitely a success it would be good to see as well or get a bigger sample size after we have the Monza race and the whatever the third race will be this year um, and then yeah see what they do for for 2022 how many races will they roll this out at you know will they tweak the format try and look at something to do with fp2 if there's people out there who think fp2 is useless or whatever so i think everything that you know f1 has done in this liberty media era or you know let's say 99 percent of the things that they've done have been great you know they've improved just formula one in general you know it's it's it was much needed having been somebody who you know, started watching the sport, you know, during the Bernie Eccleston, CVC era, you know, it was quite depressing where you would see other sports around it, you know, advance in certain areas, particularly being, you know, media and PR student, you know, or graduate, whatever you want to call it, uh, (laughs) um, you know, whatever. Um, Having come from that kind of, you know, area of study, it was so sad seeing, you know, things like the NBA and other sports around the world jump onto things like streaming and social media and all that, you know, and there was that stage where drivers weren't allowed to, you know, do anything with social media or post anything from the track on social media, which was quite bizarre. But they've just made steps forward. And Ross Braun, he great operator he he's come up with a a genius idea you know if they stuck with the whole reverse grid thing then that's when i would have been waggling my finger and shaking my head like no that's not that's not on but the fact is that they've gone away they've discussed it they've tweaked it i think it's really good so big tick there for, for f1 and hopefully yeah the sprint race at monza as well will be exciting and worth looking forward to Bringing it back home then and talking more about sprint racing, I guess it was, yeah, because it was the Townsville Super Sprint this time, not the the 500 uh, format or whatever that we had the week before. And it was nice. It was actually exciting. Like, like not that I don't like the long distance racing. It just is a different kind of beast. And um, the sprint racing, as we've seen in the last year and a half, supercars has been a bit more exciting. It's a bit more varied. You had Cam Waters get up there and win two of the three races over the weekend as well, so that would have been a, a good moment for Ford fans after Triple Eight dominated the weekend before. Race 17 was quite exciting because he had those two young guns um, fighting Waters and, and Anton Di Pasquale. Anton on pole, but ended up being passed by Cam after the pit stop on lap 17. Um, Anton trying to avoid the undercut, but unfortunately ended up behind um, Waters. At the end of the day, you had Jamie Wincup being penalised for speeding in the pit lane as well, but ended up charging up to second at the end of the race because then he would get that penalty to drop to to seventh. So 
he ended up coming back and passing, I think, uh, Di Pasquale and, and Mostert as well, because Mostert finished on the podium. Welcome podium for, for Chazzy, finishing in P3 after the weekend that they had um, at the Townsville 500. Um, and also a season best result for Tim Slade and the Blanchard Racing Team with fourth. And they qualified down in 19th, but ended up coming in real early for their pit stop as well to undercut a whole bunch of people and get out of the, the traffic as well and finish far up. I think they did that every single race across the weekend and got some good results, but fourth was the best that they could get, obviously, helped by the Wind Cup penalty as well. How that happened was that Wind Cup pitted behind uh, Waters there. Basically, Waters came to like an abrupt uh, halt and Jamie, being a bit sneaky, thought he could get past the uh, control line having not come to that minimum uh, speed limit, but I think the stewards were a bit too bit too eagle-eyed on that occasion and ended up pinging him. And it wasn't just him who got stung by the stewards on that day. Both Red Bull cars did. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen with his move on Brody Kostecki coming out of the final corner. And having said that, I don't think that, you know, Shane's move in that instance was as harsh or malicious as we saw Brody Kostecki on the previous lap or a couple of laps earlier uh, trying to get past Todd Hazelwood, although there was lots of contact there and poor Hazelwood ended up, you know, close to the fence, whereas Giz just kind of, you know, without making too much contact, kind of just pushed uh, Kostecki too wide, but because Kostecki was already hit with a penalty, the stewards, to keep it consistent, had to, you know, do something with Shane too, so I wasn't too offended by Shane's move, it was one of those things, as I said, you know, if it isn't a racing incident, then you've got to give a penalty, but what is a racing incident, you know, like, are we going to race anymore or not, are we going to give penalties for the most softest things, I know it's chalk and cheese when you're talking about what happened there at Silverstone, <laughs> um, you know, where, you know, someone ends up in hospital, actually, but no, like, I thought, you know, the Shane one could have easily been passed off as a racing incident, but... The fact is that they wanted to set a precedent with the Hazelwood and Kostecki incident too. So both were hit with a 15-second time penalty, but, you know, that's not going to change the way Shane races because he races quite hard and it's quite enjoyable to watch sometimes. <laughs> Indeed. Anyway, so, yeah, Mozzie ended up on the podium there. That was probably the worst race the Red Bull guys have had in a while, but they still finished in the top 10, so that was good for them and their championship aspirations. Race 18, basically a repeat of last week when you had both cars dueling for the win uh, from qualifying as well, so uh, Win Cup ended up beating Van Gisbergen by like 0 0.06 of a second for pole position, then ended up leading the start of the race, and then it was after the pit stops that you saw Van Gisbergen kind of reel in and pass his teammate, but it was quite entertaining because they were, you know, just kind of hustling together, but at the same time, these guys, ultimate professionalism, especially between teammates, it looked like things would go awry and, you know, you'd have an incident, but they just do it, they do it so well, wheel to wheel, put on a show and without actually, you know, damaging the car or like, sending a check home to the boss or whatever to, to get the car fixed or a repair bill, I should say. So ultimate professionalism, really good job from both those guys and um, 
another win for Van Gisbergen. <laughs> that was that was basically it. And I think Will Davison ended up coming home and finishing third at the end of the day. So good on Davo Waters. His second win of the weekend, duking it out with Van Giersbergen for the win. That was great too, because basically Shane ultimately got a taste of his own medicine, uh, being fended off, fended off by Waters. Shane trying all he can to get past, but you know Waters was able to stay ahead. We actually had a safety car as well. <laughs> Surprisingly, we haven't seen a safety car all through the through the past fortnight there at Townsville I think even last year there was no safety car but you know that was brought out because Tim Slade and Macaulay Jones ended up having a uh come together or it was actually um Jones on his own ended up clouting the outside wall at turn 10 um and pretty much ruined his day because it was a career best qualifying for for Jonesy as well there getting I think like eighth or whatever he was battling away with Slade who did his early pit stop again and then unfortunately he was out um Van Giesbergen pitted from the lead but Waters had stayed out so that was the interesting thing is that um you would have thought that everyone would have come in under the safety car but apparently the safety car hadn't actually left the pit lane yet so that was a bit of a strategic master stroke master stroke for waters because he hadn't caught the safety car just yet so he could come in a lap later and end up staying in the lead and then catch the safety car whereas van gisbergen became an effective third on the track and having been jumped um by not only Waters, but Davison as well. So Davison was easily taken care of by Van Giesbergen, ended up passing him there at turn six. Um, sorry, Davison went wide at turn six. He had a bunch of mistakes, and then Van Giesbergen came back at uh, turn 10 to pass him. Then basically ramped up his result, assault on Waters, repeatedly going for the pass, using his signature move there at turn 13, and... Basically, yeah, Waters just denied the aggression and stayed ahead. So it was nice seeing those two go wheel-to-wheel again. It was like Bathurst last year, those two, and this time Waters ended up finishing ahead. So, yeah, second separated them, um, and some good points for Waters in the championship, even though I think it's still pretty, pretty difficult for anyone else to come and win this one. But, you know, they did quite well. Good, good on Tickford. I think this is the first time we've seen Cam actually win two races in a in a weekend as well. So making progress, but at the same time, I I, I will harp on about consistency and how you know consistency is what what's going to win you a championship. And so far, we haven't seen the ultimate consistency like we see from Van Gisbergen to be able to win a championship, or like Scott McLaughlin in the last three years, for example. So. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the racing stuff taken care of. Um, basically, every week we've got to do a, a check of the calendar and check of schedules as well for, for supercars because, you know, COVID here is... It's basically taken hold of the whole country, you got to say, and this is probably the first time we've seen it uh, since the pandemic started last year. Um, we got confirmation, obviously, last week that the um, Sydney Super Night was going to be off, Um that you know we won't be doing that race on 20th of or 20th to 22nd of August it's been postponed to a later date if things could um end up you know fixing themselves or whatever um but you know it's looking very difficult 
supercars have come in and scheduled a return to Queensland Raceway in Ipswich, which we haven't seen since 2019, and they're going to utilise those dates. The problem is now, though, that Queensland has decided to close the border to regional New South Wales as well, um, which makes it very difficult for travel, obviously, between now and, you know, the end of next month, when this race at uh, Queensland Raceway is going to be. You want to see, or you know, the Victorian-based teams want to be able to head home. They're going to have to go through regional New South Wales. So, and then getting back into Queensland, are they going to be granted an exemption or have to do some kind of quarantine? It doesn't really leave them any time at the end of the day, and it's it's just becoming increasingly difficult. They can't, you know, are they going to make the sacrifice or make the arrangements so that they don't go home again? like they did last year, it's very difficult. And then for, for Brad Jones Racing, they, they're based out of Albury, which is in regional New South Wales as well, even though it's like right on the Victorian border. But yeah, it does fall into the regional New South Wales category. So it's it's very difficult. You know, it's hard to see how the rest of the calendar kind of um, shapes out. I know October is a long time away still, or like a couple of months away, where you're going to have the Bathurst 1000 are they going to be able to get to regional New South Wales without doing any quarantine? Um, it's it's looking very difficult. And then Perth. Perth is supposed to be the next round, but after Queensland Raceway and before the Bathurst 1000, we know WA are quite strict on, you know, who comes in, who comes out, who goes out, uh, their travel restrictions there. Are we going to miss Barbie Gallo again this year? Um and yeah, important to know as well that Supercars is required to hold a minimum of 12 rounds in the championship. So QR, if we get to have QR um, next time out, that'll be the eighth round, uh, which leaves another four rounds to happen. You'd think that Bathurst would happen. They'll try everything they can to make Bathurst one, the 1000 happen because it is the Blue Riband event. you don't see any problems with uh, the Gold Coast 500 as well taking place in December. So let's say 10 rounds are, are locked in at the moment. Could there be the possibility, as I said last week, about, you know, going over for a New Zealand doubleheader if they're allowed to travel over there? Uh, do do Pukekohe, do Hampton Downs? Will we see the return of Eastern Creeks and New Motorsport Park uh, for the Sydney Super Night, or even Winton, which is currently on the bench as well. It'd be good to see Winton come back. So there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment. And even, you know, we thought, you know, having Queensland Raceway on the calendar was a solution, you know, that we could we could have another, we could have our eighth round of the championship. Just this latest curveball with the travel ban between Queensland and regional New South Wales does, does impose a bit of a headache. So... I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to say. It's so unpredictable at the moment. So, but yeah, just the main thing is that everyone's okay, everyone's safe. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. You know, we we still want our supercars championship, but to be done in a safe manner. That's the important thing. So, yeah, that's about it. Quick shout out, actually, before I. Th- finish up um, to the Milwaukee Bucks winning a, the NBA Finals, beating the uh, Phoenix Suns, I think it was 4-2 in the end, which was my prediction the other way, that Phoenix would win 4-2, so Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, um, three 
40 plus point games including the 50 points that he scored in the final game that they had 17 of 19 free throws as well which you know he copped a lot of flack throughout the entire series about not being able to shoot free throws or whatever he kind of nailed it there, didn't he? So, good on them. It was interesting to see as well over the weekend that uh, McLaren were sporting Phoenix logos on their car, supporting the Suns, and, you know, they ended up winning on, going on to lose. So, and it made me happy. Like, I was going to be happy with regardless... I was going to be happy regardless of whichever team won the finals because it wasn't one of those pylon super teams. If if you guys follow the NBA and, and know what I mean when I refer to a, a pylon super team, you know, like the Lakers who, or, or Brooklyn at the moment who've got, you know, uh, Durant, they've got Kyrie, they've got James Harden, you know, they, they just go for all these superstar players rather than relying on the rest of their roster, which, you know, Giannis... Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, great, great combination there at at, um, at uh, Milwaukee. And then CP3 there with uh, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, unfortunately not showing up to the party in the last few games, but they're a solid combination to at Phoenix. So um, hopefully CP3 doesn't pull the plug and decide to, to jump ship now after that. There has been some chatter that he is being pursued by the Lakers, possibly. Lakers after another point guard, it could either be him or or Russell Westbrook. Um, I'm sure CP3 will be a bit bitter that he couldn't win this ring, and he's getting to you know later stages of his career as well. So yeah, missing out on a championship ring. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, congratulations to the Bucks, um, and hopefully we have a, an exciting season next year where the Knicks can f- progress further in the playoffs. Anyway, thanks for joining me this time. I hope you all stay safe wherever you are in the world. Enjoy. um, And we'll be back next week to preview the Hungarian Grand Prix. So, yeah, nice to have a weekend off motorsport. (laughs) Uh, Might start building some Lego again. Anyway, thanks, guys. Cheers and see you next time.